and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the new Marvel series on Disney Echo. Uh, and uh want to start off with a little housekeeping, remind you that we are brought to you by Progressive Christianity org. We encourage you to go check them out. You will find amazing resources for uh, all your progressive Christian needs there. Also, make sure you follow us. If you're not following us already, find us on Facebook uh, and also follow us on all those places that you download your podcast from. And finally, the most important possibly piece of housekeeping that always needs to be done. We must make sure that you're constantly aware that this is not a spoiler-free zone. As a matter of fact, it's a spoiler-full zone. So just be prepared. Uh, if you want to watch Echo without spoilers, and I, I recommend that you you watch it at the very least, but if you want to do it without spoilers, uh, you know, go ahead and just hit the pause button and come back to us after you've had a chance to catch them. Most importantly, I am joined today, as always, by my good buddy, Caleb. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about Echo today, Mark. How are you? Uh, great. Um, I am really enjoying uh, getting together again. It felt like we were having a little bit of a break for a while. I know. And that's not good at all. We don't need that to happen. No. Uh, but yes, we we're back. Ready. We're back. We're being regular. We're ready to go. Yes. But we also cool. have to have our drinks for the shows oh, makes kind of the sets the sets the groundwork for doing yeah. a great show i think so i'm curious what uh what what beverage have you prepared for our viewing our our our, our viewing our listeners to today uh okay so i think this is interesting i because there's not necessarily a clear thing so i'm curious to see where where you go with this too mark right. but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh so uh, Echo Maya is uh, Choctaw indigenous person. And so yes. I was looking at traditional beverages of yes. the Choctaw people. And I found oh, nice. that Choctaw beer or Choc beer is one of them that was kind of oh. medicinal and then became a beer. And so I found uh, a brewery that had a version what? of Choc beer. And so that is what That's I am drinking cool. today. Choc That's beer. That's very you, Mark? cool. Well, you're right. It's yeah. difficult to find. Uh, I had decided because one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters makes a brief appearance in, I think, the first episode, Daredevil. I've always been a massive fan of Daredevil. I so yeah. I went with a, I just went online to see what I could find. And I found a drink called the Daredevil, which mm -hmm. is, and it's a nod to the actual uh, character. And uh, it is... Uh, Three parts bourbon, so it wins me over right there. Yeah, One right. Part, yeah, right. I mean, if it's three got bourbon, parts bourbon, yes, <laughs> that's the important piece of this, right? That it's three parts bourbon, one part Aperol, and one part grenadine. Uh, and it comes out this perfectly uh, daredevil color. Daredevil and I, color, you can't yeah. really tell, there's a couple of uh, dark cherries in there as well. Oh, so, I can see it. Yeah, that looks yeah. good. So, uh, cheers to you. And, cheers, uh, Mark. Here's, here's to uh, another great show, the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about Echo, and this segment is a segment where we geek out a little bit. Mark and I are both big Marvel fans, and so we, we need to geek out a little bit. And then in the next segment, that's a little bit longer, we'll take a little bit of time to talk about the theo-politico aspects of the show. So Echo, if you're not familiar, is an American television miniseries created for the streaming service Disney+, Plus, based on Marvel Comics featuring the character of the same name, Echo. It's the 10th television series in the MCU produced by Marvel, and it shares some continuity with the films, and it is a spinoff of Hawkeye, which came out, I guess, about three years ago. Sees Maya Lopez, Echo, returning to her hometown, where she has to come to terms with her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace her family and community. So, Mark, I yeah. loved this series, and uh, and through, as I was watching it, your voice kept ringing in my head, uh, and uh, the reason is because for a long time now, Mark, you've been saying, no, we're not experiencing superhero fatigue. What we're experiencing is fatigue with sloppy writing and poor character development. Mm -hmm. And I think that this show proves how interesting characters can be when we break up familiar formulas and we lean into unique characters because we've got here yep. a character who's indigenous, who's deaf, with an amputated leg, who is played by an actress who's indigenous, deaf, with an, an amputated right. leg. And I was there so cool. for it. So I want to know, what do you think about this? I, I'm completely with you on this. I, I, I remember, and it happened early on that you realized, oh my gosh, they're getting this. Uh, it was somewhere in that first episode, I realized that I was sitting there smiling, not at the characters, not at, I was smiling because I was like, they, they, they got the superhero thing right. Like, they're doing this. <laughs> and I realized that there was this internal part of me that was so happy that we were getting, hey, hey, what? Maybe, maybe, maybe this one was good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe all me and Caleb talking about it, not that they listened to us at all. You know, maybe it had an impact. No, of course. There's enough of us talking about it that they finally are going, oh, maybe we should uh, pay attention to, to what folks are really thinking out there. Because, yeah, they they really seem to get it. They uh, And they put so much effort into how they went mm -hmm. about putting this together. And they're building great characters that we care about. They're showing us there's parts of their story that make us connect with them. Uh, mm -hmm. These are almost all of them are vulnerable in some way rather than invincible. Uh, gosh, it's it felt good, man. It felt good, right? It did feel good. And it's amazing how quickly uh, I can feel myself getting invested in some shows. Like mm -hmm. I it's usually like opening scenes and I, I'm like, I'm there for it. And yeah. this was one of those shows where I just started watching and just very early on, I'm like, I, I, I'm invested. I want to know yeah. what's going to happen with this character. So I, it's the opposite of what we talked about last week. You know, last week we right. sat there for two and a half hours watching Rebel Moon. <clears throat> and, well, who cares about any of these characters? In yeah. this show, I instantly cared about all of the characters. And I think it's to your you point. Know, I think it's good character development, good writing. And it really stretches all the way back. You know, part of, of what happened during the filming of this, from what I understand, is they were planning on a Daredevil reboot that this mm -hmm. was going to connect with in some ways. Right. And then they, and the way they were doing it sounded silly. And 
they ultimately seem to have decided to go back to the Netflix when when Marvel was on there. Yeah. And we had 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 the the Iron Fist and Nick Cage and all of those going on, uh-huh. and they did these great storytelling where you learned and cared about the characters so much so that the bad guy Fisk, you yeah. care about him. Like that yeah. scene at the, in the last episode when uh, he's battling with. With 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 Maya sort of battling, yeah. and she uses yeah. her her healing power and her love on him, right. and he's back sitting on as an adult sitting on the bed where he would listen mm-hmm. to his father mm-hmm. abuse his mother. Yeah. Man, I was emotionally distraught, you know, yeah. watching that. One, he's just an incredible actor, and he really just oh, yes. pulled that. It was perfectly played, but even even the bad guy in this show you care about because they give you a reason to, and they give you uh, pieces that you can identify with and feel emotionally connected to. It's just brilliant, brilliant writing. It is, and I agree. I think the performances are very good too. I think Vincent D'Onofrio. I mean, he's good in everything. He's so uh, motivated in everything he does. But I mean, certainly as Fisk. I mean, he was. Uh, uh, one of the standout characters, I think, whenever oh, yeah. Daredevil was was on Netflix, that it just instantly, I would have never thought about him playing that character. But uh, the second I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's that's best. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and I, I think all that all the actors in this did did such a good job. So the other thing yeah. that I really appreciated, Mark, was the creative team here and the way that mm. they dug into. ASL, making sure that that people learned ASL and that a lot of the show was actually silent. There wasn't uh, dialogue that was audible, and I thought that was powerful. And the way that they dug into Choctaw beliefs, uh, and we got to see some of the accuracy. And so the thing that I think really stood out to me, Mark, is that you know, a lot of times indigenous cultures are portrayed as a bit monolithic, and Mm -hmm. I felt like I got to know something about the uniqueness of the Choctaw Nation in this. And like, I actually learned something. So what did you think about the way uh, the Choctaw people were portrayed, the way they approached uh, indigenous beliefs and thoughts? How did that come up to you? I I thought it was brilliant, but but more importantly than that, I thought it was very honoring. Like, Mm. it was clear that a lot of time was put into making sure that everything was done as close to, to what was true and what was real. Nothing was overplayed to, to make the average viewer feel comfortable. Nothing was underplayed to make them feel comfortable either. And there was so much detail. And, and, we, and we did, we learned so much. There were things that were happening where I was thinking, why didn't I learn this in school? Right, Like yeah. This is something that I should have been taught about but I and and I was in high school in particular. I was kind of uh, uh, inspired and really invested in learning about various Indian cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were things that they taught on this show, just in the dialogue and in the flashbacks, that I had no clue about. And and I, I just kind of loved that they put that much into and, and invested that much in making sure. And it didn't. It didn't feel preachy though. It felt like it was important to the story, important to the characters, and it was done in a way that I wanted, you know, to to, to participate in it. But I learned a lot at the same time. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, we we needed to know about, say, uh, Maya's connection to her ancestors. And so mm -hmm. through that, we were exploring the, the Choctaw beliefs when it comes to that. I, I You know, I agree. I grew up about an hour outside of Oklahoma. And so yeah. very, very much in a part of the world that really should be should be connected by yeah. learning yeah we should really be learning about native peoples and i had one unit in fourth grade about native peoples i think and that was it my entire my entire uh, wow. educational career uh, or yeah. primary education career and so i think that that that's one thing that that is really powerful we've talked so much about how superhero movies when they're at their best or superhero shows comics all of that when they're at their best they help us learn more about ourselves and the world around us and so i think that this did it it helped me yeah. learn a lot and so i think maybe a case in point is the the ishtabolai the stick ball. So yeah. I didn't know anything about that. And I Neither. learned that that that's a way that they use to mediate conflicts between members and, and towns. Was there anything mm -hmm. else that, that you learned uh, from watching this uh, about Choctaw people or indigenous folks that, that you didn't know before? Yeah, well, I, um, I think there were just lots of different pieces as far as like the creation story that we get to see a mm -hmm. little bit of. And I love that they kind of just played it out for us and didn't like have a lot of uh, verbiage over top of it. They let us see and experience the creation story. Uh, some of her ancestors being part of, uh, of um, back in the West and, and how they would try to protect the, the tribe, the, the, all the other tribes and the folks that were there, the stories that they told about that, I was unaware of that, those particular groups of people. Uh, so yeah, there was quite a few things for me that I was just like, that's, that's the stuff we should have been hearing about, man. It was fascinating. It was fascinating. And as you said, really added to the character development. I think another thing that was really interesting about this show is that, that Maya is kind of the adoptive niece of Fisk. And so we got yeah. to see that relationship and what that was like and so i'm curious mark do you think that that fisk really deeply cared about maya or do you think he just cared about like raising her to be a perfect assassin who he could manipulate do you think there were real yeah. feelings of care there what do you think that relationship was really about uh i i think that there was i think it was both i think it was both um you know, he saw her maybe particularly because she had a, was an amputee and was trying to uh, to, to figure out who she was in, in that world, and you know, kind of connected with her at as she was learning um, martial arts. And at mm -hmm. first, she was sort of timid, and you could wasn't you know they kind of they showed us a few moments of her being timid until he shows up and kind of encouraged her in just the right way that made her kind of realize that she was going to step up her game and really uh, um, become really skilled and crafty. So I think it was both. I think that he, there was a part of him who was hurt as a kid who saw her as a hurt kid. Uh, mm -hmm. She had lost her, recently lost her mother and he, well, he lost his father, but of course it was because of him, but he was protecting right. his, he was protecting his mother mm -hmm. uh, in doing it in doing so so i think think there was kind of this connection that he sort of felt with her but he definitely was looking for his own progeny to who could ultimately take over this empire that he at that point was beginning to create 
What what that, did you think? Did you think it was yeah, not I, real I, at all? Or well, no, I thought it was I thought it was real in the same way that 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 you did. I th- I thought that he kind of saw himself in her some, but yeah. I think the moment where he decided what her future was going to be was the moment with the ice cream man. Oh, which yeah. I I think is one of the most powerful scary horrific moments of this show when yeah, the ice cream guy doesn't have the ice cream she wants and it's kind of giving her a hard time and, and he's always stuff. making fun of her because she making fun of her right can't talk right right and so he goes and he just beats the living crap out of this guy and and then maya uh-huh. comes Lisa. and she sees him and he's trying to hide it he's going to get a new jacket and stuff and she comes over and she kicks the guy and he i think that's where he really feels the, like the, himself in her. He sees what's what's going to happen, and so that yeah. moment, um, you know, they advertise that where Fisk is just beating the guy in in mm-hmm. all the the trailers and stuff, and you don't know what it is. And yeah. I just kind of, whenever I saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, he's slugging it out with Daredevil yeah. or something, you right. know. So, or yeah. but but no, uh, that moment was one of the moments that really stands out in the show. It really was. It, it was. It was just such a shocker. Um, <laughs> and it's you know, it's, this is uh, the first TVMA that Disney has put out, and that scene is definitely the ultimate reason. There. That that was so violent and so and then to involve a child in the violence and to do it in a way that was just kind of even kill like eh, just the way we do things here you know it's just unbelievable I I just I think my jaw literally dropped when when it happened yeah I was I was very surprised I was not expecting that. no. Uh, one no. other question, because I know we need to wrap up this segment, yeah. but uh, I, I want to know, because we don't get a lot of shows where ASL is featured mm-hmm. real heavily, but right. I mean, we've got a deaf actress who, who communicates by ASL. And so mm-hmm. the, the people are, around her are using ASL to communicate. How do you think they did with that? How did that uh, hit you when you saw that? I thought they did an incredible job with it. And a matter of fact, it's uh, one of the things I want us to talk about in our next segment. Uh, I, 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 I like how they handled it. And uh, I thought it was very respectful uh, and, and, and did some positive things that we can talk about in, a, in just a few minutes, actually. Well, I like that. That's a great segue, Mark, <laughs> because we're going to end our nice geeking setup, out section. Sir. Yeah, good job. Good job. Okay, let's grab no, a you- drink. <laughs> well, the teamwork, right? Let's let's grab a drink and come back after the drop and talk about theopolitical aspects of Echo. Welcome back. You're joining us for our Theo Politico segment. Uh, and we teased just a little bit coming into the segment. We're going to talk a little bit about ASL. But I have a question I want to go to first. Uh, and, and then we'll get immediately to the, the ASL question after that. Um, so throughout this show, uh, Naholos keep messing everything uh, White people keep messing everything up. Mm-hmm. That can't be real, right? This is... <laughs> Of course not. I mean, that doesn't happen in the real world. 
No, no. This is very creative writing. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, even just earlier, you know, when we were talking about how, uh, you know, Native history is American history. It's a part of what all we're doing. And yet we don't, uh, so many of us don't learn anything about it. Or at least, as I said, I I lived an hour outside of Oklahoma and never uh, learned anything about uh, about Native peoples. And that's a question I want us to get to, too, in this segment as well. I want us to do a little bit of a deeper dive in that. But um, it, you know, in the in movies and television, uh, it's yeah. almost always the case that the bad person is something that feels at least somewhat not white, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. someone with a thick yeah. foreign accent or not right. American white, someone with a thick right. foreign accent or someone with darker skin or something. What did you think about the fact that we have this great show that's doing a really bang up job and really frequently the person that enters in that can be seen as a bad guy, including our big bad guy. And I literally mean big bad guy. Yeah. Particularly in a show that is so centered around uh, native culture that we get so many examples of white, particularly men, white men being the bad Mm -hmm. guy. What did did you see that happening, and what were kind of your your responses uh, as the, it was playing out? Yeah, so I thought that was fantastic because you're right. Even whenever we we try to get diversity in in shows, a lot of times the diversity we get is, as yep. you said, uh, people of color being the bad guys, and yep. they're being oh, kind of a white savior. And so I thought it was brilliant, even mm. this complex character Maya that ultimately was good and you could tell had been manipulated again mm-hmm. by by the big oh, I, I, man. <laughs> in, in the show and so I think you know as we're thinking about how this plays in you know with the with the show and and kind of our American history you know I I think that like America has this 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 grand terrible history of, of environmental racism in lots yeah. of respects, but especially towards native peoples, you know, as we sure. see like the, the overhunting of bison, you know, uh, the, the, the U.S. government uh, stealing Native American lands and, uh, and giving them away. And so I think that, yeah, what we have seen in the United States is exactly that, is mm. white people as the bad guys who yeah. who have who have basically dwindled native populations down to almost nothing and, Absolutely. Uh, and yeah i thought it was it was very cool in a show to to see that that wrestled with in a different way and in a way that didn't feel preachy and yeah. uh, and i i really thought they did a great job with that how about you yeah i i completely agree i i thought it was brilliant i loved that they were doing in a show that did feature uh, natives in it uh, because of uh, so, so much of the history of the united states and and how that that kind of is a, a commitment to kind of reversing the story and telling it a little more truly uh, i just loved loved that we we're going to need to move on though I, i've got three other questions I want us to get to, and the okay. one that we've yes. already the one that we've already teased a little bit is about ASL. You know, and and frequently in movies and in shows, uh, being deaf is presented frequently is presented sort of as a way to get the audience, the viewers, to feel bad for the character, like mm-hmm. to to for and Echo basically normalizes it like the way her family everyone in the family just yeah. does sign language it's not a you know even if if they're they uh aren't deaf they they 
immediately have learned it. They normalize it. They don't call over attention to it. It's just part of the environment and how things are going. Reminded me a lot of the movie, if you remember Coda, uh, that won Mm -hmm. a couple of Oscars, actually, um, how that felt right and good. Uh, I'm just curious, what do you think, how important is that kind of approach in changing the way that the public approaches topics like this? I think... It, it was powerful for me, uh, and it changed some of the way that I thought about it, because I, I it was so ingrained in just what was happening, and it never felt like work. I mean, sometimes it feels Not at all. to sit there, and re- and it feels like they're just doing it kind of for tokenism, like, well, we need some diversity here. And frequently, it feels that way, yeah. Yeah, and so I thought that this was something that, that really leaned into the idea that when you're advocating for diversity, it is better if you actually embrace the diversity. You don't just put it there because like, well, we should try to, you know, to make the deaf community feel heard or something. But when you're like, no, actually, uh, people bring gifts just as they are. And if we lean into that and if we allow them to be who they are, then then that's really we get better stories. We get better writing. We get better characters. And that really resonated with me as I was sitting there. I'm like, wow, I love this character. And I and like, yes, she's she's deaf and she's differently able and she is incredibly capable. And uh, and the the most capable person we're watching in the show. And so. Yeah, I, I I really thought they did a great job with that, and it was it was real important. How did how did you perceive it? Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I, I love that they made it normal. They normalized yeah. it. They were like, "This is just reality," and it's not oh poor pitiful her. It's not uh oh look at us, we're being great because we're doing ASL and da, da, da. no, it was just here's the story. This is the character in the story. This is part of who they are. And so that's the reality of the environment that we create of, of how everything is presented. And, and kind of to your point, it was just done in such a natural way, which was brilliant. And it's so important so that we don't ultimately end up um, um, misunderstanding or misrepresenting uh, different parts of our culture. Uh, instead, it makes it very real and accessible. And it helps, I think, us not kind of push those segments away uh, of society away or try or, or feel uncomfortable around it. I think it's so important that that type of thing is normalized so people understand it and feel comfortable around it. And that means that it, we have a more fully integrated culture that appreciates the gifts that each person brings, no matter what they look like. And, you know, to the, to your point, Mark, uh, one of the pivotal moments was whenever uh, Fisk gave Maya that that little contact lens where yeah. she could, you know, that interpreted <laughs> via yeah. ASL. Put, put, put uh, video symbols of him when he would talk would give him fake arms to do ASL. To, to do the, and, and then it translated her signs to uh, to an automated voice in his ear. And, and she said... It, to the point that like it's normal, right? Everyone else knows how to do this in the show, right? And 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 it's a character moment where she says, "You didn't even care enough about me to, to learn. learn ASL." Yeah. And so I think that speaks to like us as a society too, right? Like we want say technology do the work for us or or something like that. And yeah. I, I think one of the things that it was speaking to was like, no. You ought to put forth the effort to learn 
this. And yeah. uh, and if you really care about somebody, put forth the effort. And that was another emotional moment yeah. for me as, as she talked agree. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things you brought up was just uh, also her, her uh, physical disability. So I, I like the show's yeah. approach on presenting people with physical disabilities. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. If, if anything, it shows Maya uh, not only not allowing her prosthetic to limit her, but she actually uses it to her advantage. Why, yeah. why do you think that we still see those kinds of physical differences as only limiting? Yeah, I, I think in, in large part, it's because of the narrative that we have as a society, where yeah. we talk about only being able to do things in, in this one way. And, and that if you, if you can't do things in that way, then then you're at you're at a disadvantage. And I also mm-hmm. think it's fair to say that we don't see a, a lot of positive representations in the same way that that we often don't see people of color playing anybody but the bad guys. We also don't frequently see uh, people with physical disabilities doing anything but being a source of, say, pity in uh, in media. And that's just not true. I mean, people are no. living full, wonderful lives. They're they're doing all kinds of incredible things and and using their their different abilities to to uh, to live their lives in, in different ways. And so I think uh, I think this went a really long way in showing us how it is that. You don't have to be limited by yeah. uh, by your differences. Well, and it, and it goes even beyond just not limited. It's like mm-hmm. uh, the the concept, and you 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 touched on it a little bit earlier of that. It's not so much a disability. It's it's that you you have a different type of ability, and that it can be used. It can actually be an advantage. And I think this show does a great job at at repeating that over and over again. We see uh, ASL being used uh, as a way of communicating because other folks Mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what was going on. And so uh, I think her cousin warns her using ASL that she needs to get out. It's using what people try to label as a disability and shun people over or see them less as over as an advantage and the same thing she uses her prosthetic actually at one point as a weapon like it's using it as a way of showing and and in the u.s we do a horrible job at at understanding all this i mean the americans with disabilities act happened over 30 years ago uh society though still ends up limiting how uh, various physical disabilities can participate in society even in voting we we're not even providing in all places the best access to voting uh, it's just ridiculous. Companies do the minimum that they have to do to meet the the requirements rather than going overboard. I mean, can you imagine if you were to go overboard, how much it expands your your access to resources and, and what would be available to you and the people that are being excluded who could actually be these mm-hmm. massive in, important contributions? Uh, it's just, it's a joke. It's, and it's sad how badly uh, we handle that. All right. Uh, I got one more that I want us to touch on. Yes. Um, that that I, I pointed to a little bit earlier after you mentioned it. Uh, one of the brilliant things in Echo is its representation that you pointed out mm-hmm. of uh, of Native culture and history, uh, including even in in their casting. They did a brilliant job mm-hmm. at, at the way that they casted this as well. Why do you think? Why why does Hollywood historically do such a poor job in this area? And do you think it's getting any better? 
I think history. I mean, it's it's been whitewashed, obviously, for the same reasons that every other aspect of American leadership and power has been whitewashed. Because you know, we the white people want to keep white people in power. They want to hang on to power. I think <laughs> I think that's true in the film industry too. And so I think, of yeah. course, we've historically seen whitewashing of films and something we've become increasingly aware of over the past decade or so about how white people have played parts that should be for people of color where they're right. often portraying people of color and often in derogatory ways. And I think that was intentional as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's getting better a little bit. I mean, um, you know, I think there's at least been awareness about it in the past uh, few years where it's been a part of the cultural conversation, uh, the larger cultural conversation. However, have we seen a bunch of change? Uh, not really. I mean, we, we still continue to see uh, most of the leading roles go to white people. We see most of the, the big awards going to white people, even if we sometimes see some more people of color nominated. We're not seeing right. uh, a lot of people of color getting awards. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it I guess if we're talking about it getting better, it depends on what our uh, what our uh, point of uh, measurement point of, of better is. is right. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's getting, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it has a lot to do with, with white people wanting to stay in power. It also has a lot to do. I think with the, the white people who are in power do not like anything that in, is embarrassing about that is embarrassing about what who they've been and how they I mean think of, of folks who are unhoused and how we try to make them invisible and in a lot of ways I think that's what happens in Hollywood too is that it's a it's a horrible part of American of U.S. history a horrible part of it and it's much easier to try emotionally to try to make natives invisible make it disappear so we don't have to be faced with that horrible history and in terms of is it getting better it's actually not um yeah we have reservation dogs which is a great show and did a, also did a really wonderful job at, at being at representing uh, the culture of natives and everything but it's still less than 1% of the people who are on shows and films represent a Native American. Uh, and that's just absurd. Uh, and it, honestly, over the last 20 years, it hasn't gotten much better. It, it stays and hovers around. It's actually almost at half a percent of the people that are on screen actually represent Native cultures. So, uh yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. So anyway, we, we have gone on and on. We actually run over on this segment, but uh, we need to go ahead and wrap it up because we don't want to miss out on our favorite segment, our Make Me Look Stupid segment. So we'll catch you all after this drop. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Thanks for hanging out with us while we've been talking about Echo. We're entering our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment. And I've decided I don't think I have ever been a benevolent co-host before, Mark, <laughs> like you so often right. are to me. So I'm going to try it. I'm okay. going to try some benevolence and see, see, if it fits. see how it looks on me. Yeah, see if it fits. <laughs> no, I, will, I will let you go first, Mark. I will okay. let you ask the first question. Well, all right. Well, I wasn't expecting that. I had questions lined up. I was like, well, I'm going to see what he asks. And based on what he asks, I will angle it. So I, I have four questions, uh, two about Echo, two about Fisk. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna have you help me pick. Uh, okay. I'm going to pick oh. a number. Are we going to play a game? Go, uh, yes. Yeah, we're going to play a game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not going to tell you what the numbers are, but I'm going to assign a one or two to Echo and a one or two to Fisk. So okay. We're, that'll narrow in on which style of question, which character we're going to ask about, and then we'll do the same okay. thing with the question. So, uh, you pick one or two. Okay, two. Okay, so we're we're going with Fisk, and I've got two okay. questions on Fisk, uh, and I'm okay. honestly quite curious of your your responses on either of these. Uh, and so I, I've got them now numbered. So pick one or two again. Oh, I'm going to go with one this time. Okay, one. So the question is. Did Maya heal some of Fisk's rage in that final fight scene? And why did he end up basically running away right after that happened? Yeah, I I don't think I don't think that she actually ended up healing any of his rage because Fisk is so I mean his whole persona I think is built on the the rage that he has built up over time. I think instead what she caused him to do was to see his vulnerability. I think one of the ways that he is able to be so fierce is because he tries to bury that vulnerability down. I, even though, yeah. even as he talks about it on the surface, it's always in a controlled way as a tool for manipulation. Say whenever he was trying to convince Maya to come back to New York with him and showed, right. uh, showed her the hammer and that he killed his dad with. I mean, he wasn't really dealing with the uh, vulnerability was using that as a tool to manipulate her into action. And so I think what she caused him to do was to see that. And I think he ran away scared because he had to relive that experience outside of his own narrative control. And I think that that's something that like is, is true in this. And I think it's something that's true for like all of us that like, yeah. we like to control our places of vulnerability. Uh, we, uh, even people who talk about them, you know, mm. openly, cause some people do, some people don't, right. We all have different ways of dealing with that. But a lot of times when we, we talk about those openly, it's in a very controlled kind of narrative where we can control our vulnerability. And when we're forced yeah. to uh, do that in a way that is like outside of our comfort zone, that can be really tough. And it can be uh, something that you, yeah. you might be able to embrace or you might have to run away from. That's my take on it. Yeah. How about you? I agree with that. I also think that he realized that moment she took him back to, which was just before mm -hmm. he was going to go kill his dad. Um, yeah. I think he realized that prior to that, he was a scared person. And after mm -hmm. that, he was a person that was in control of his life. And it felt like she was trying to make him a scared person again. And that he pushed that away in that kind of mental back and forth that they were having. So I think it was part of him also recognizing there was a moment in his life where he, in his mind, claimed his life for himself. That he was living as a scared person and, uh, and that all of a sudden 
he chose not to be scared anymore and started being the person who was in charge of everything that he did. And it brought him to where he was and he was scared it was all going to get taken away. So I think that was also part of mm -hmm. what happened in that moment. And that he was like, but it scared him enough that he, he didn't fight back, which is what he had learned is how, where his power is. He got scared enough that he hightailed it out of there, which yeah. I think is interesting in terms of what that's going to mean about the dynamic between the two of them mm -hmm. going forward. It should be really fascinating. All right, sir. Uh, that was my question. I'm curious to see where you're going to go. Well, wait, before I ask, I, I kind of want to know what the other three questions were, Mark. Can, okay. can you tell me yeah. what the other Let's questions were? Absolutely. And if you feel like answering any of them, uh, the second kingpin <laughs> question was, can and this is i think a problem with uh with uh, with with marvel in general yeah can kingpin when you think back to the netflix shows because he was in several of the shows and and in seasons i think one and two in daredevil uh, he loses uh -huh. him uh and one of the other seasons he loses to one of the other heroes can yeah. in this season he basically loses to maya yeah can Kingpin keep losing and remain a threat in the eyes of viewers. I mean, are they mm. up to be so weak that we don't care? He's not threatening anymore. Uh, they just have to have him kill one of the heroes. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that's threatening about Kingpin, uh, and this is the danger of me trying to answer is I'll go on and on. I think one of the dangers about Kingpin is that he's going to kill people along the way, and they might be people you care about, even if it's not yeah. the heroes. And I think that's Fair. why, and, and the emotional stakes that, yeah. that uh, the, through his manipulation, for instance, that scene that we were talking about earlier where Maya's young and kicks the ice cream man, I think yeah, that's yeah. what makes him threatening. Is you never quite know what he's going to do, what he's up to. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. My other two questions were about Maya. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to answer them. <laughs> okay. I I was very curious. I don't have an answer to this one. So yeah. It, uh, who do you think killed Maya's mother? I mean, the brakes had been cut. They crash. Dad seems to know, and he goes and extracts revenge on them by yeah. killing them. I, yeah. I, it was interesting to me that they left that so wide open and didn't answer and yeah. you know, give us any yeah. real conclusion on that. I don't know if they're thinking that that will be part of her backstory for the next season or something. It's interesting. Yeah. And then my other question and, and curiosity was where do Maya's powers come from? I mean, they're clearly tied to echoes of her Choctaw right. uh, lineage, but they're, you know, the glowing feels a little removed from what like, ancestral yeah. power would be like in terms of yeah. the real world and and it, they you don't see a lot of glowing powers unless you're talking about either sorcery or uh or, or, or um, yeah. um x-men kind of things uh, uh -huh. so i was i was curious about that as well so those were my questions those were the ones i was those, those are great with. questions yes and and not only were they great questions, but I, I also uh, didn't have any of those great questions throughout this podcast. I did not steal uh, any of those. Yeah, I, I was so, really surprised again. Yeah. I felt yeah, for so, sure that at least that one of them was going down, maybe two. I really, I really need to do better this season. But uh, yeah. I've also got to ask you a question. And so yes, yes. I, I want to know, there were lots of great quotes in this too. You know, I love to pull out quotes uh, that, that are impactful to me. And one of yeah. them is uh, a quote from Biscuits. Who I think is a really interesting character. What a standout character, man! I absolutely, 
I almost, I can't remember what we were talking about earlier. Oh, when I said Naholos, I was like, every time I say Naholos, I can't not hear Biscuit going, uh, not today, Naholos. Naholos? <laughs> With his monster truck. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's quoting uh, Chula, the grandma. And uh, he says, Chula always says, there's nothing too broke to fix uh, if you want it bad enough. And so I wanted your theological perspective on this, Mark. Is that true? Is there is there are there so uh, is there nothing that's that's too broke to fix, or are there some things that you can't fix? I I think that there's not a definitive answer on that. Uh, you just will never accept my dichotomous terms <laughs> that I'm not, trying to give you. There's not a definitive. <laughs> there's not a definitive answer on is there anything that's too broke to fix? But yeah. there is a definitive answer in in my opinion. And I think okay. theologically, uh, particularly if we start moving it into the realms of, of people and systems and how we operate, mm -hmm. there is certainly nothing too broken to not try to fix it. Matter of mm -hmm. fact, we are required to try to fix it, even if we think it's so broke. Now, sometimes fixing it means getting rid of it and replacing it because it served a purpose and we're fixing the purpose it served not necessarily fixing the thing itself, but fixing what role it plays in society or the role a person plays in our lives or that kind of thing. But I think that out of love and out of um, recognizing that we all have some spark of the divine in, of, in us, mm -hmm. that we should always at least be willing to try to fix the thing. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, there could, yeah. Quite possibly things are so broken that we can't fix them. I still don't think that's a reason not to try. I love that answer. And I think that just as that applies to the systemic realities that that often applies to our relationships as well. Mm -hmm. And that and particularly that the thing that might be fixing that might be ending those relationships uh, yep. or uh, allowing ourselves distance from those relationships Absolutely. and sometimes relationships can be toxic i mean you know family members i think that's going to be important in 2024 in this election season that, so like, important <laughs> that dealing with stuff uh yeah. might fixing the things might look different depending on what those situations are so hey this Absolutely. has been a lot of fun and i i have a lot more i actually want to talk about for oh, i think we could go on really i'm so excited about this series i hate that we only got five episodes and that we're probably gonna have to wait yeah. at least another year Ugh. yeah but yeah. man, it was so good. It was so good. Oh, oh, we might see her some. Maybe we'll see her in Daredevil, uh, the new Daredevil. I think series. we probably will. Fisk will be in Daredevil. I, and because Fisk is in it, I don't think we're going to be able to. She's not going to be removed from Fisk anytime soon. So if Fisk is right. around, I think we're going to see Echo. I, I, I just, I know that when that happens, we're not going to get the richness of her history and culture and family because we're going to be focusing on another hero and I'll right. miss that part, but I'll enjoy getting to still have her around and appreciate who she is. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I can't wait for the next season and to, to learn more about uh, Echo and her character. And hopefully the second season season measures up and it's just as rich of writing. <laughs> and so, uh, we got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week, Mark. Uh, yeah. you have any thoughts? On, on I, what I, I have about. a curiosity that might be fun to okay. do together. Yeah. Um, 
there is a, a new show that I think in the you you know actually <laughs> I thought that there was a new show that was releasing that we could watch, but I don't think that it's happening for another couple of weeks. Uh, oh, and so I think that we need to kind of recast where we're going to go here because I was going to suggest, okay. and I think we need to come back to this, uh, a show called Constellation. Uh, and oh, yeah, I think I've, a, I've seen that. That that sounds like it, it would be really good. I think it was originally scheduled to drop in January, but for yeah. some reason got pushed back in the February. Oh, so so you, you had another thought though uh, of another. I do. Show. I do have another thought yeah. that I think might okay. work for us, and it's I, I, I it's a it's really more of a kid a, a teenager type show. Yeah. But it's it's been a lot of fun. I've been following it, and we're about to, I think, wrap the season up. So it should be a lot okay. of fun. Uh, it's uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. There was a movie made about it. Yeah. Honestly, the I movie was kind of yeah. not so great. Yes. <laughs> but the TV series on Disney Plus has done a pretty good job so far. Uh, I will be watching it and seeing how it wraps up. Anyway, I think that could be a lot of fun for us to do. That sounds like fun. I haven't watched any of it. Uh, I remember the movie not being wonderful, but uh, <laughs> right. but I haven't watched any of this series, so I can't wait to dive in and see as you finish it up. So I hope you all can <laughs> take a, a few hours and sit down and all watch right. uh, Percy Jackson. It's a, a good watch, I hear, from Mark. And so yes, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, we'll plan to see you next week on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Mm -hmm.